Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 406 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Todd, joined with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? Joe, uh, Joe, I almost called you Joe. I'm Joe, you're Todd. <laughs> I have heat stroke, that's what's going on. Don't start with fake names, because you confuse me. <laughs> no, I think fake names are done, uh, probably forever. Good, good. I don't know, Diamond Joe Leonard is okay, right? Yeah, that's, I would call you Diamond Joe. That's close enough? Yes. Now that I know that show's on a Friday, that makes my life a whole lot different for next week. Oh, boy. At least you know when dates are now. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm very confused. I'm easily confused, too. Right, well, Todd, what do we got to discuss on the show this week? Um, A con blinks and moves, and it's a con that's near and dear to this show next year. Also, a company who's becoming very stealthy, whether it be with covers or titles. Um, And also, in sad news... A true comic book legend has passed. Mm, Take it down for a moment. Um, Also, we will have uh, con news, free digital books and sales, what we read last week, which was Cosmic Ghost Rider number one, which I think both of us were looking forward to. Yes. Um, Also, Captain America number one and Immortal Hulk number two, I believe we will be talking about. Uh, What we're looking forward to coming out this week also, I believe I have an art attack or two to talk about. Maybe even one of mine. I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself. Um, and uh, at the end of the show, we will have spoiler-filled talk of both Ant-Man and the Wasp movie and Cloak and Dagger, the TV show, in whatever order Joe decides to talk about those things. You did get a chance to see uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp with your busy schedule this weekend? Yes, I did on Thursday night, and I managed to watch Cloak and Dagger as I was like, hmm, let me look for my notes for Cloak and Dagger. Oh, that's right. I haven't watched it yet. Let me watch it before the show starts. Uh, Where are my notes? Who are all these people? (laughs) Uh, I don't even know who you are, Diamond Joe. Right. One of these days, I'll figure it out. So, let's get into the news. And again, I want to start with, of course, uh, the passing uh, of a true comic book legend, uh, one of the most, I guess, w- one of the most recognizable creators from his work, and that would be Steve Ditko, uh, who hand-in-hand created Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Squirrel Girl, tons of other characters in all of those characters' universes. And uh, Steve Ditko, like I said, if you saw his art, you'd know Steve Ditko's art. There's no questioning it. But Steve Ditko is, is and possibly was one of the most notorious, I think shut-in is too harsh of a word, but mm-hmm. he certainly was not one to seek the fame of being the co-creator of Spider-Man like, his co-creator Spider-Man is. Oh, boy. You couldn't I find see. two more polar opposites in the world of comic books than Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. 
No, you couldn't. I think Jack yeah. Kirby's like right in the middle. I'm like, whatever that Venn diagram is, mm-hmm. you've got Steve Ditko on one side, Stan Lee on the other, and Jack Kirby right in the middle. I think Kirby leaned a little more towards Ditko than he did than Lee. Sure. But but yes, I know I know what you're saying. And as you, as in my opinion, as you say, you know, oh, Squirrel Girl and Spider-Man and uh, Doctor Strange, you completely skip over the four greatest characters in comics that uh, he created the question, he created Captain Adam, the Creeper, and Ted Cord Blue Beetle. Right there. I mean, those those four trump anything he did at Marvel. To me, all joking aside, not trying to start any trouble, you know how I love Ted Cord, Captain Adam, The Question. Um, I even loved the, the Creeper Run, even though he, uh, the Creeper Run, I was always one of my favorite things was every issue of The Creeper that he did ended with Jack Ryder as The Creeper running away from a cop and going around a corner, pressing the button to change back out of his Creeper costume into Jack Ryder, and the cop would be like, where'd the Creeper go? And he would go, that way. And that's how every Creeper comic ended, but I love them. And uh, I agree, he he may be more of a, I want to say like the Greta Garbo. He's the Garbo of comics. He literally is. Um, he had that rent-controlled uh, studio apartment office that they had, like, People would knock on the door, and I've seen people online saying, like, they would knock on the door because it said literally S. Ditko on the door. And he would, like, yell at them, and people would take pictures, like, with with him yelling at them so they can have a selfie. He was a, definitely an odd duck, but uh, he would he do, like, 38 issues of Spider-Man that pretty much laid the groundwork that was everything for that character. And can you imagine the the... The, the, the characters that he created, maybe like some of the, the royalties and stuff that he deserves, probably got to. I'm not saying he didn't. But, man, he built s- some of those most important things at Marvel. Right, absolutely. And I, I can only imagine what sort of tribute thing they're going to put in all the Marvel comics, you know, whenever mm-hmm. someone who's a creator, big name or not. Uh, both companies, both big two, always do some sort of tribute thing for them. Uh, in like the next month's issues, but did you ever see that BBC documentary in search of Steve Ditko? No, I didn't. Oh, Todd, it's only like an hour long. It's really, really good. I'll have uh, to check that out. Oh my goodness, I'll send you the link. It's it's readily available on uh, YouTube. It's not like some sort of scam site where the internet has to give it to you for free or something. It exists. If you just put in search of Steve Ditko, you'll find it. Uh, it's really, really good. It's a lot of this sort of stuff that we're discussing here about his creations, um, you know, and the host of it, Jonathan Ross, like in the, in the documentary goes up to his door, knocks on the door and you'll never believe what happens next. Mm, I can only imagine. I think you might do. You might do. But yeah, so Steve Ditko passing is a, is a pretty big deal. Um, you know, he was, uh, definitely quite the character, um, in a way that, like I said, because he shunned the spotlight. Yep. And I was discussing this with our good buddy DJ recently because we were together shortly after he passed. We that It came out he passed because he died in June, and we didn't get the word until just recently. Just this past weekend, yeah. Right. Um, and I, we were discussing where, like, he's, like, the like one of the last last of the old guard. I'm, like, they're, like... All that I can really think of that's left 
is Lee, obviously. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about writers and artists. Lee and Ramita Sr. Like then after that, you get into the next wave, like your, uh, uh, Neil Adams's and your Starenko's and your, like the, the, the up and comers, like the late sixties or who, who were getting their start then. These aren't the people who were in on the ground floor at the golden age and then, you know, into the silver age creating. I can only think of John Ramita, uh, senior and Stan Lee. I'm trying to think, does Garcia Lopez? fit in there on the DC side of things? I think Garcia Lopez is more I, late 60s, early 70s. Yes, like, yes. Like, I'm thinking more like Gil Kane, who created Hal Jordan, and Carmine Infantino, who created, like, the Flash look, and John Broom, who was writing, and, and you know, uh, Gardner Fox. Like, all these guys are gone. You know, like they're, I can't like, like we're saying like Neil Adams, Garcia Lopez, like they seem to come around like late sixties, early seven, John Byrne, you know what I mean? Like they are up there in age, but they're not that old, like eighties and nineties guard years old. And, oh. You mentioned Gil Kane. He's passed. I'm just trying to look at the list of, uh folks from that era, you know? Right. Right, you mentioned Ramita Sr. Right, he's still around. Right. Um, I hate to have dead air, but, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Mm-hmm. Ugh. But at least, you know, uh, things might be getting better for Mr. Lee, that's all I know. Yeah, you know, I know we talked about it on a couple After Darks ago. It's just such a touchy subject, you know? Mm-hmm. It's so tough to really get into any of that. But uh, Steve Ditko, you will be missed. Yes. Um, one thing that won't be missed is going to be C2E2 this year. <gasps> really? Right. As we discussed a couple uh, episodes ago on the main show, uh, there was one weekend at the end of March where C2E2, WonderCon... Planet Comic Con and Silicon Valley Comic Con, uh, respectively Kansas City and San Jose, California, were all happening on the same weekend um, at the end of March. Now, Silicon Valley Comic Con was the first to move, but they're more of the young upstart convention going sort of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. C2E2 just this past week, they moved to a week earlier. Now, when we discussed this, uh, Todd had postulated that, like, well, maybe that's the only days they can get the buildings and all this other stuff. Uh, this is definitely so. There's no conflict with other big cons. I, I want it's probably to get bet, uh, more guests because at that point you're you're just diluting the the playing field so much mm. with three big cons at once. Right now, it says that they've got a better part of the building. Um, and again, being a weekend ahead of everything where I think Silicon Valley moved a week later, if I'm correct in that thinking, oh no, they, uh, Silicon Valley moved to the summer. They moved completely to August. They know where they're, they know where they fit in the food chain. (laughs) But yeah, C2E2 moving, you know, it's a big deal. Um, but I say more power to them. You know, it's, it stinks. Because I already had my plans ready, set to go. I pre-ordered my meet and greets, uh, <laughs> my photo opportunities that Todd and I... Listen, I, I, 
in between the last show and this show, I'm like, I'm going to hunker down. I'm going to see what Todd says. But now none of the things are available because they said that the guy we were going to get our photo op with, they don't know if he'll be available. He's so busy. Oh, he's too busy not fighting. Um, oh, no, he fights. <laughs> just not well. I, just, um, I, I watched that uh, episode of The Simpsons because uh, my kid watches The Simpsons now. Uh, oh, boy. The, the Homer They Fall, the one where he's the boxer. <laughs> he just he stands never... there and gets punched. I wonder if he kept his eye on a bindle the whole time. The other guy? No. Yeah. But uh, it was a, a lot of parallels to a certain uh, runer of the last issue of Superior Post of Spider-Man <laughs> uh, mixed martial arts career uh, but, uh, watching that Simpsons episode. Yeah, there are a lot of parallels. But I'm just saying, now you just we're, we have to, you know, get new plans for CT. Yeah, You're know. in. I already got the days scheduled off for the week before, or the, you know, the, that, Yo, week. good. The week before. Perfect. Good. Uh, it all works out then. I don't know if I'm going to be able to swing this now and get those dates changed. Oh, it's going to be such a headache, Todd. You know what? I'll come to super secret science job and I'll talk to some people. I already, I already, you know, put the timeshare in for the Chikaris and chopter that weekend. <sighs> now I got to change it. The whole, Oh, Todd. We'll figure it out. This is happening, Joe. Just, I'm just telling you, I could do a whole bunch of jokes that will get us all in trouble, but I'm not going to. So just just figure it out. That's all I'm saying. It's going to be tough. Yeah. But anyway, one of the things that isn't tough, Todd, is what Image is up to. <laughs> and I have to admire their chutzpah for doing this. <laughs> chutzpah. I, I think that's it's written in the script. I guess that's how you pronounce it. Uh, so just recently... They sent stealth variants uh, to the store, and it seems to be on the image side, but more on the Kirkman Skybound side of things. Because I think he's got the stroke to do stuff. He does. Yeah. Name one. Name two things that Robert Kirkman did that he could get away with such chicanery. He got a second season of Outcast. <laughs> oh my goodness! There's a second season of Outcast. Yes, yes. I think that's starting soon, actually. <laughs> And uh, the other thing was uh, he got a Thief of Thieves to be maybe a TV show in the next 20 years. Oh, so, okay. There you go. We kid, of course, uh, you know, regarding Robert Kirkman, uh, Walking Dead, Invincible being an Amazon <laughs> whatever animated feature. I'm assuming this might be someone's first episode and they've never heard of comics, let alone this show. So mm. let's really lay the groundwork for everything. Yep. So uh, the most recent issue of Oblivion Song, uh, issue number four came out, and there were normal editions of the comic, and then there were v- random variants of the same exact cover, except there was a little tiny frog in the foreground. And of course, people are going out of their minds because, oh, it's a different comic, it's a Kirkman comic, <laughs> things are always hot. <laughs> uh, so the secret frog variant of Oblivion Song is blowing up. And it's funny because it's one of those things that I haven't gone back and checked because, like, in the whole way we stash our comics, there was only one cover for Oblivion Song. So I'm like, blah, and I threw it in my box, and it's done. It's bagged and boarded in a way. Um, and I don't know if I have the frog one or not because they're, they were very sneaky with their frog covers. I kind of like it. It doesn't bother me because it's because what I didn't know I bought, it's like if – if it was coming out, I'd be like, oh, I gotta, am I going to get the frog cover? Am I not going to get the frog? It's in, it's in my box, so I don't feel like I got taken or anything, because I bought a comic, I got a comic. 
Now it's like, ooh, did I get the expensive one or not? It's like it can only be a bonus. It can't be worse, if that makes any sense. Right, and they're selling for like 5 to $11 each, you know. Mm, I hate when comics sell more than they were originally worth. Oh, you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do have the frog variant, Todd. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Let I me check before, on my... When I said before we started recording, since I'm so far behind on comics, I've got all sorts of different piles of currently reading and next to add to the pile and so on and so forth. Uh, this one was very close to the top of the soon-to-be-read pile. Right, and, right. Uh, I'm like, oh, let me check. Oh, there's a little froggy on the cover. I better go get that uh, CG seed so I can become a millionaire. You do, you do that. So, like Todd was saying, I'm the same way. Uh, I just assume a lot of times comics will have multiple variants. Uh, DC books will have uh, 50-50, which is, you know, the same amount of one cover as they'll be of another. A lot of times they'll do one in tens. I know a lot of the Archie comics, specifically the main Archie book, will be three. Like, they'll do four covers, kind of one in 25, as it were, so there's no... um, there's no rarity to them, but every once in a while they'll do something like this, where it's like a 1 in 10 or a 125, where we've discussed before in the show, where you have to meet some sort of order requirement, but there was no order requirement with this. It was just like, randomly, and I don't think we even know yet. We don't know if it was like every 1 in 5, or 1 in 100, or 1 in whatever, um, but apparently it's enough that enough people have them that they're not selling for hundreds of dollars, just 6 in 10s of dollars. Mm-hmm. I just looked. Mine is not froggy. Oh, look at that. So as of this show, it's one for frog, one for not frog. Mm -hmm. So the other thing that Image, through the Skybound side of things, decided to do was, with the books coming into stores this week, there's a surprise, unannounced, unsolicited, (laughs) on blah, 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 print comic uh, with Robert Kirkman's name on the cover. Uh, Art by Chris Burnham, also done by some of the old showrunners of the Walking Dead TV show, called Die, Die, Die. Mm -hmm. Uh, As the uh, out-of-nowhere solicitation reads, strictly for mature readers, this action-packed comic lives up to its title. Blood will flow, bullets will fly, and the mayhem will never end. Now, this throws me off, Todd, because you know me. I like to have these solicitations, and I like to plan my books in, well in advance. I don't like just having a random book dropped out of nowhere on me. Wow. You know what's nice and freeing is just n- not knowing what books you're going to pick up just at the random, oh, the week of. It's much easier. It's so much easier. But I have a question for you. We always joke about the greatest secret that they ever pulled off was uh, the Thunderbolts number one that the uh, spoiler alert that the Thunderbolts were all super villains. Um, and they couldn't do that in this day and age anymore. Do you think just secretly shipping a whole title by one of the comic book's biggest creators is up there with one of the biggest secrets ever? Uh, I would say it's close. It's the it's the biggest one in quite some time, you know, where we discussed last week how this spoiler culture has kind of been going on in comics all the way back to 1992 with the death of Superman, where every imprint likes to announce what they're going to be doing months, and, months ahead of time, giving away any sort of plot twists. But an entire comic from a big-name creator out of nowhere, I think that's a pretty, you know, this is a pretty shocking thing. 
I think it's official. It bumps Thunderbolts number one from the top of the list. Hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thunderbolts happened at a time when it was when it was almost possible. This happened when news Newsweek wants to give away whole stories that that the creator of Walking Dead, the biggest show, one of the biggest shows on TV, shipped a book that nobody knew was even being made. That, to me, trumps Thunderbolts, number one. But also, because I know how much you and other people like Thunderbolts, I just like that it, that it trumps that now. Yes, no, maybe? It all depends on the quality of said comic book. No, it, it depends on the surprise of said comic book. Could be a terrible book, but still a surprise. It could be still a bigger surprise. So that's the way I put it on the poll. All right, we'll put it on the poll. We'll, we'll, when this episode comes out and everyone asks, you know, we can ask everyone, what's the bigger surprise? A book out of nowhere or one of the biggest surprises in the history of comic books? Oh, I see what you did there. Right. I tried to skew things in my favor. Of course I did. Oh, you always want to be on that. You always want to be on the Ditko side of the Venn diagram. <laughs> I'm probably more on the John Romita Sr. side of thing. Mm, I'm more on the Steranko side of the diagram. <laughs> Me too, Todd. Me too. <laughs> so anyway... Uh, again, that's the news that we got. So, hey, there's conventions this weekend, Todd, and there's a bunch of them. C2E2? No. Did they, they move it up? They didn't move it up that much. About. I was actually worried that there wasn't going to be a ton of news because next weekend's San Diego. Uh, but uh, comic book news came through at the last moment there. Uh, they'll sprinkle it out before the con actually starts. Yes. So we've got a bunch of uh, conventions, of course. You know, we can always gauge which one we'd like to go to more than the other. Uh, and, of course, whenever there's a scheduling conflict, I always like to get a kick out of those. Mm -hmm. uh, but some of the conventions going on this weekend is the Atlanta Comic Con in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, the great Billy West is going to be there. Adam Hughes, Scott Collins, and almost out of nowhere as last week, in that one convention in Canada where Dale Keown showed up, Weiss Portacio is going to be at this convention, Todd. Mm, cool. Wetworks is coming out of here. That's right. Uh, so the, one of the other conventions happening this weekend is the Frankfurt Con in Frankfurt, Kentucky. Uh, Fabian Nicenzia is the guest of honor uh, who had a great run on the aforementioned Thunderbolts. And, Created uh, Deadpool. And Deadpool, sure. And the rest of the folks that are going to be at that convention are the folks right up Todd's alley because they're all wrestling folks. Oh, good. But they're the kind of wrestling folks that Todd likes. You've got Tito Santana. <laughs> Nikolai Volkov. Right. Bushwhacker Luke. And Brutus the Something Barber Beefcake. <sighs> No Iron Sheik to go with Nikolai? No, no Sheiky Baby. <laughs> I, they're leaving money on the... I think uh, Sheiky Baby is in Canada these days. I don't think he gets much out uh, to the convention scene all that much these days, sadly. Are you saying he's not in the Middle East? Uh, no, he's not, Tom. Okay. 
Uh, so the two other conventions that are going on is wi- a Wizard World in Boise, Idaho. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you got Ron Perlman is going to be there. Brett Spiner is going to be there, uh, only known for his appearances on Night Court. And Outcast, season oh, and two. and Outcast, sure. Uh, hopefully they bring him back for season two. Uh, Road Warrior Animal will be there. Uh, as will William Shatner. Oh, the Shat will be there. But only on Sunday. Because the previous two days, he's going to be at the Florida Super Con in Broward County, Florida. Oh, boy. That's quite the leap. Friday, Saturday, Florida. Sunday, Boise, Idaho. It's only a small warp ride to Boise. Oh, my goodness. But uh, I think Florida Supercon is super and stacked. Listen to this lineup, Todd. In addition to William Shatner, Michael Rooker is going to be there. I know him. Mm -hmm. From the world of comic books, uh, Mark Bagley, John Cassidy, Peter David, Glenn Fabry, Kirk Grummet, underrated artist from the 90s who I'm a big fan of, Jim Starlin, and Keith is going to be there. Keith! We decided he can't beat the Keith because the Rob is the Rob, so he's just Keith. And, of course, that's Keith Giffen. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, Todd did get an opportunity uh, this past weekend with our good buddy DJ to have an encounter with the aforementioned Keith Giffen, and uh, that is going to be over on After Dark. I'm glad that we decided to put it over on After Dark so that you could use the salty language. (laughs) That the J.D. Salinger of comic books is known for. <laughs> Someday I'll have to tell you the story, Tom, when Tom was working with him on uh, Rain in Hell. Mm. And also at that uh, Supercon in Florida, World Wrestling Entertainers, Jerry the King Lawler, uh, Gangrel, Ray Mysterio Jr., and Shawn Michaels. Oh, Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anybody's going to that con and you want to pick me up a Glenn, a Glenn Fabry uh, commission, I would be greatly appreciative. Right. Uh, for uh, for me, I'm picking that uh, Florida Supercon, man. Like, how often does Glenn Fabry show up, Fabry show up at conventions, man? He shows up quite a bit at them, but uh, I, I, his preacher covers are so amazing. Mm. And Hellblazer, too. Oh, my God. One of the best artists of our time, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the links to all of those conventions will be over in the show notes with this episode, as will information about the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com, where you can find all the information about all the shows anytime that they go up, of all of our friends and compatriots and cohorts, of their shows that they do, any new ideas that they have, or they show up on other people's shows, as long as they remind me, within one to six days I'll get to putting it up on the Tumblr. Uh, but such shows as this show that you're listening to right now, Longbox Heroes, of course, the aforementioned Longbox Heroes After Dark, Podvocacy that had an episode this past week, and, uh, uh, you know, if you don't want to be triggered about talk about a certain TV show, you can skip about a good 40-minute, or a good 20-minute chunk in the middle there. Uh, Mm. (laughs) Everlasting Minute, their minute-by-minute deconstruction of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, and I guarantee you, this week, 
the triumphant return of Prodigal Sons podcast. Do you know that for a fact? Once I figure out how to do this fade effect on our editing software, I know it for a fact. Oh, boy. You want me to do it? Yeah, I'm going to send it over to you, Todd. All right. I fixed your Twitter problem. You did fix the Twitter problem that I had. This one, I think, might it's 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 out of my pay grade. I think it's out of your pay grade as well. <laughs> uh, but no one is more happy about the return of Prodigal Sons podcast is me than me, which is why I put it into my hands to make sure it gets done. Oh, your dirt and cookie filled hands. Exactly. Uh, so digital sales and freebies over also in the uh, show notes. Some holdovers uh, from the previous week uh, that. Transformers sale at IDW is still going on. The Dynamite Vampirella sale is still going on. The Marvel 100 Pivotal Collection sale. And we already kind of drugged them through the mud last week, so I'll let them slide this time. (laughs) Uh, In conjunction with the current Ant-Man and Wasp film that's in theaters now, Marvel is also having a sale on Wasp Comics, Todd. White Anglo-Saxon Protestant comics? No. Uh, what's uh, what's the anagram for Blackie Lawless's band, Wasp? We are Satan's people. There you go. Not that either. Uh, you know, Janet and Hope and Nadia. You know, the people who have been uh, the Wasp, you know? Gotcha. So all that stuff is on sale. Now, there's some, there's actually some unbelievable stuff uh, in this collection. Most notably, I want to point out to you, that the entire run of Jeff Johns' Avengers is included in this sale. Wow. Right. That doesn't come up hardly ever at all in sales. And you can get that most recent Unstoppable Wasp run from uh, just about a year or so ago. You can get the entire run, which I think ended up being, as I'm just looking here to see how many issues it was... Uh, it was nine issues for $6. And I think that's a great price because that was a great underrated book. A great all ages, fun, awesome, whatever, whatever you want to say. Uh, I highly recommend checking that out. And, uh, you know, if you only choose one of the Jeff Johns Avengers stuff, uh, get Red Zone. Red Zone was real good. Del Rusk. Oh boy, kayfabe, brother. Uh, some of the other sales going on, and this one snuck up on me, and this one I had to go search out a little bit, and this is a DC crime sale. Uh, included in the sale is stuff like 100 Bullets, uh, stuff like Scalped, the recently added from the acquisition of Brian Michael Bendis, uh, both Powers and Scarlet and Torso, which is fantastic. Uh, Fire, Jinx, Goldfish, all of Bendis' stuff is included in this. Uh, but I would also recommend to you, Sleeper is included in this, which is an early Ed Brubaker-Sean Phillips collaboration. I remember Sleeper. Mm-hmm. If you, uh, it was like a spin-off of a Wildstorm character or something, and then they just kind of made it their own. And if you're a fan of any of Brubaker and Phillips' stuff, whether it be the most recent Kill or Be Killed, Fatal, Criminal, uh, Fade Out, Fade Out, any of that stuff, if you were a fan of any of that stuff, I recommend checking out Sleeper as well. Because it was really good, and like I said, early Sean Phillips, Ed Brubaker collaboration-y stuff. Mm-hmm. 
And then the big DC sale this week, Todd, is DC number one sale, where it's a whole bunch of number one trades that are included. And Todd, it runs the gamut from everything from old to new. Um, you know, you got Batman Inc. included in here. You got Wonder Woman trades. You got Superman trades. Uh, you got Rebirth, like all the Rebirth trades, all the number one Rebirth trades are in here. All the Vertigo number one trades are in here. Um, you know, New 52, Pre-52, all that sort of stuff is in here, Todd. And I hope you're sitting down. Do you want to know what else is included in this sale? What's included in this sale, Joe? I'll give you two guesses. Is it, uh, Batman Year One? That's one. Oh, What's the other one? I'm so nervous now. I can't even think straight because Batman Year One is in there. Batman Dark Knight Returns. Dark Knight Returns. Now, if only you could recommend Batman Year One to random Twitter people, it would be a good thing. They don't listen to this show. Okay. What I sent- They're on this show. Oh, actually. how dare you. <laughs> when I sent them the link to buy it, mm-hmm. I first clicked through our Amazon banner and then sent them the link <laughs> that way. That's fantastic. So I'll know if they actually bought it and read it. Read it? It's on Reddit? No, it's not on Red Edit. They read oh. the book. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I I would like to think that DC did this just to stick it in the craw of Marvel. It's like, yeah, you're having your sale of a hundred pivotal, you know, books. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna put the number ones of ours and buy the law of averages. We're gonna have more better books than you have on your hundred pivotal collections. <laughs> I don't know. That 100 Pivotal Collection seems pivotal. Uh, well, we're going to pivot onto something else here, Todd, <laughs> to the books that we read from this past week. Oh, did you talk too much and is it my turn to, to, to take it home? Uh, uh, yeah, no, we're like, in the, we're like in the seventh inning stretch at this point. I guess right. if you'd like, we could start with Cosmic Ghost Rider number one. I could set it up for you. Uh, written by Donnie Cates with art by Dylan Burnett. Uh, this is essentially what happens to Cosmic Ghost Rider after the Thanos book that uh, Donny Cates did uh, comes to a conclusion. Yep, he basically uh, is now residing as uh, Frank Castle in Valhalla because he was a great warrior. And that basically doesn't go how you would think. So he uh, Odin has a little problem with him and he's going to end up kicking him out and become the cosmic ghost rider once again and he can go anywhere and any place so ghost rider gets one choice to pick and he has a plan to fix things um that may have happened and it's an interesting plan and uh, i really enjoyed this book because obviously it's donny cage doing cosmic ghost rider the only flaw that i see of it is dylan burnett's art is nice but after being spoiled by jeff shaw on the thanos book with cosmic ghost rider i think it's a bit of a step down in the art department but otherwise i still really enjoyed the book so uh, i'll work backwards i'm with you um i don't think i think dylan burnett's art is really good i just don't think it's the fit for this book Right. Um, I think his art is a little bit too loose, a little bit too light, maybe. I'm not really sure what the word I'm trying to look for. 
it just didn't feel right for this book. I'm sure by the end, and we get the full run, and we get to see what the feel of the whole book is going to be, I'm sure I'll, I'll warm up to it a little bit more. But as you mentioned, with the Jeffrey Shaw art that we had before, and then going to this and having a Jeffrey Shaw cover, expectations were set high. I was expecting a 10, and I got an 8.5. Still really okay. good, just not a 10. Right. I'm a little lower on the scale, but not much. Uh, right. But I totally agree. So like I said, I really enjoyed the book. Uh, I liked how they set things up almost to make you believe. Uh, and I, I don't think this is a spoiler, of course, because we don't know for sure. But the way that's leading you to believe is that Frank Castle, the Punisher, Cosmic Ghost Rider, is the one who made Thanos Thanos. It could be. Because I thought he was going to when he said you can go to one place in one place, that he would have went back to his family. Mm -hmm. Because there's even the line, he goes, let's go back to where it all started. And I'm like, well, you could have really, you know what I mean, changed things there. I don't know, I'm interested, because you know Donny Cates is going to give us an interesting ride, so I have no problem. Mm -hmm. And he is the ghost rider, because he's riding the cosmic motorcycle, not driving it. Right, and I, I did enjoy a lot of, Frank's stuff in Valhalla. I liked his back and forth with Odin. I thought that was great. Uh, I really liked the book. Uh, could have been a near-perfect book, but like I said, the art didn't knock my socks off like previous issues had. I agree. Uh, next book that we're going to talk about is a book that I actually got nasty texts about that I didn't have this as my most looking forward to book. Okay. But it's been it's a packed summer, man. Like, there's... You know, the people who attempt to guess what we're going to pick for our, uh, you know, most looking forward to, there's two to four choices every week for the entire month of July that it could be any of these books. DC and Marvel are duking it out mm -hmm. right now. So this is Captain America number one, uh, written by Tanisha Coates with art by Lennel Francis Yule. Uh, this is a new beginning for Cap. Uh, we're out of that Mark Wade story with the alternate future sort of thing going on. Cap, back to basics. S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't exist. He's in trans entrenched in the Marvel Universe. Again, back to basics. Here's what Cap does. Here's who Cap is. There's still the doubt because of all the stuff that happened in Secret Empire. But at the end of the day, Cap is still Cap. And while he is doing all of this, there is a new menace that is rising up on the other side of the world. Mm -hmm. What did you think of this issue? Um, I really enjoyed this issue um, early on in, the, in it. But this was obviously because Marvel does their thing where the first issues anymore are over like a little oversized, four ninety nine or five ninety nine, depending on the, the comic or whatever. Um, I thought, you know, they showed the whole thing where how he was distrusted because he was Hydra Cap and everything, and he was having the little speeches, and it was all perfect for about three quarters. And then I was like, if this book had ended with the ending earlier, it just to me I, I really like this book, but I thought it went on 
a little too long, if that makes any sense. Like they, they padded this when it didn't need it. And I felt that they went over the same old ground in this issue that they had already done, um, a lot by the end of the issue, if that makes any sense. I didn't mind it as much as you did regarding covering that same ground because obviously you could have spread this out amongst several issues throughout the course of the arc where here's Cap and how he's dealing with the general public mm-hmm. in regards to, as they as they keep saying in, his, in the issue, they used his face. Right. They used his likeness. They used his image. They used the costume that he used, that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. here it is him, how he deals with the general public. Here it is how he deals with Sharon Carter, who is possibly, uh, outside of Bucky, Winter Soldier, who is also in this issue, his most trusted confidant. And here is how he deals with it with Thunderbolt Ross. So here's three different ways that he's dealing with what happened in Secret Empire. I was okay with it because, in my mind, I think a lot of people may have been turned off from Captain America Mm -hmm. because of the events of Secret Empire for a multitude of reasons. And I think this issue was more or less of we're dealing with it, we're dealing with it, we're dealing with it, we're moving on. I'm sure it's going to come up once or twice, but let's really hit it home in this first issue. And I really like this first issue, but a lot of it would be we talked about how uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider could have been a near-perfect book if it was different art, where I think Captain America is bolstered by how beautiful uh, Lil Yule's art looks in this book. I totally agree on that. Uh, There are full-page spreads that he does. There's two-page spreads that he does that are breathtaking to look at in this issue. mm -hmm. Uh, So, yes, I think if this might have been a different artist, this might not have had the same impact on me, and that's why comics being the visual medium that it is, um, it helps if both the writer and the artist are on the same page. And this is my first time reading anything by Coates. I know he most recently had a run on Black Panther that was very critically acclaimed, uh, and now him getting the reins to arguably one of the biggest properties right now at Marvel, of course, thanks to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think speaks volumes for what Marvel thinks of him as a creator, and I think he set a really good groundwork for what this book uh, can be and would be going forward. Right. I have read his stuff beforehand. I read his Black Panther. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I did not like his, I thought his, on that critically acclaimed run, I thought it was very boring, very dry. Um, and this I actually like because it's it, right out of the gate. There's, there's some action and everything. And like I said, I, I like, uh, the cap thing, like I said, kind of dragged on a little bit. I love the thing with the Winter Soldier that like a lot of his, problems has have been fixed now just really quick and i hope maybe they might show a little more of that that he's able to and the sharon carter stuff is my favorite of it where she's like you know like they literally have a mission capsule like i'm ready they're like no 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 sharon's got this and he's like sometimes optics matter and i and i really like that and then there was another line by the the nukes characters that have this the the flags on their face when they kept calling him the captain of nothing I was like, wow, like this, that, and there was like really good, great scenes. So I, I don't want to underplay what I liked about this book, but like I said, it just seemed like, yes, we know people didn't like the Hydra cap, 
all right, you got that out of the way. All right, now stop hitting hitting it with the hammer. And we can we can either go on with it or you know, you can work it into your story. That's but basically I'm I'm on this. I want to see where this goes because this was much more exciting than I thought it was going to be. Are you going to be sticking with it? Yes, I'm going to All stay right. with it to see where it goes. So speaking of sticking with things to see where it goes, the last book that we're going to discuss from this past week is Immortal Hulk number two, uh, written by Al Ewing with art by Joe Bennett. Uh, continuation of Banner, not so much being on the run, but attempting to keep a low profile. Uh, they address the events again of Civil War two of him being uh, essentially killed by Hawkeye and of course, another mystery is stumbled upon, and of course, it has to deal with gamma radiation, which is something that Banner appears to be drawn to. And I, I wonder if that's going to be a running theme in this book. Right. So, what did you think of this? Um, I liked it. I didn't like this as much as the first issue. I thought the first issue was like one of those rare, perfect starts to a comic. Um, this was interesting. I thought a lot of the, the groundwork that he lays down in, uh, early on, like you don't understand what he's talking about or if it's important to the story, like, uh, like, uh, a living ghost. I forget what it was, the exact phrase that he used, but that comes into play later and the mystery. And I will give Al Ewing total credit. Like all the clues are there and they get put together at the end, which I think is an important part. If you're doing a, like, like we've discussed, we think this is more of a horror book right now. Um, this to me is starting to feel more and more now that it just popped in my brain, like old vertigo swamp thing. Like just. Like that monster on the run doing stuff, helping people where he can. Um, really good. I'm not going to say he's like Alan Moore good yet, but, uh, I really enjoyed it. He has all the pieces and he makes it all work somehow. Uh, I just like this issue slightly less than the first one because the first one gave me goosebumps. Um, but it's, it's really good and I'm, and I'm loving the Immortal Hulk. I think this is going to be one of the Marvel's breakout books right now. Right, and I'm going to, you know, obviously, unless this book completely falls off the rails, which I don't think it is going to, Al Ewing typically is a very strong writer, but I I enjoyed this one, uh, obviously not as much as issue one, but I think a little bit more than you did. I like the way that the setting up the mystery of everything, Mm -hmm. um, how this seemingly unrelated to the previous stuff, I do have a feeling that all the stuff that we've seen is all going to end up getting connected somehow. It's all going to be the leader. Right, and and that's the thing. Like, is this just going to, at the end of the day, while being marketed as a horror book, really more of a mystery book? I think the analogy you saying about how it's the old, like the old Swamp Thing book, where he's going around to different areas and writing wrongs and that sort of thing. Where is the book just going to continue on that way, and we're not going to see any super other superheroes or other supervillains, or are we that it's going to be the leader, or you know, Doc Samson gets mentioned in this issue, but. You know, I wonder how long it's going to go before we have that superhero or supervillain pop up in the book. Right. But it seems like they've made one already, so a new, like, that could come back, you know what I mean? Right. So, uh, I don't know if he, like you said, if he's blazing a new trail for himself, or he's going to do, do, rehash some old characters, or both, or whatever. I don't know, I'm, but I'm totally enthralled, and I'm willing to, to take that ride with him. 
Right. I'm I'm all for a different take on a character that just seems a little straightforward. Now, I know folks, uh, I was reading online, uh, both readers and retailers were a little aghast by the previous book being as violent as it was, you know, kids getting shot and all sorts of things like that. Uh, in the issue that it's a book with the Hulk, that like, oh, kids are going to come and pick this up and read this, you know, this grisly, ghastly comic. Sadly, I don't think this is a book that kids are picking up in the first place, just from the covers. There is a kid's section of the shop, and I think as a parent or a shopkeeper, if you're not wrangling your kid away from this Hulk and toward any number of other Hulks that may exist on the shelves at your comic book store... I think maybe then you just need to do a better job of whatever it is that you're doing. Right. And there's even like a back issue section of cheap Hulk comics where, you know, it's Hulk tired, Hulk smash, Hulk like beans, Hulk go to sleep. You know what I mean? Like that, that like that, that was the, that was literally the formula for, for 40 years. Like, and you can get those in cheap back issue bends, but yeah, I totally agree that this isn't the book that you're looking to get your kids started on the Hulk. But that's a good thing because you got to have a little bit of everything at different times. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like I said, I, I really like this a lot. And this is another book uh, that I had high hopes for. And those high hopes are continually being met Two issues in. Mm-hmm. So that covers everything that we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week, Todd. If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them mailed to your home, whether you hope and pray that certain books actually arrive on time, (laughs) be forewarned and be forearmed. Know what books are coming out this week so you have enough bags and backs and enough pennies in your pocket to buy those funny books. Right. This calendar year, 2018, Todd and I are doing two things with our list. One, we're attempting to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week, like we've always done. The other is keeping that running tally of how much money that we've spent uh, on the comics. And if you read the little blurb above mine, you'll see how, uh, due to lateness of shippings and diamond issues and things of that nature, how uh, my number might be a little bit off in the grand scheme of things, but it'll all work out at the end. You're trying to cheat and get closer to my my high number of monies. Yes, that one that doubled up three ninety nine is really going to make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Todd, what do you think I'm most looking forward to coming out this week? I don't know. There's a lot. There's Hawkman two. You really read that the heck out of that today. I did. Um, I'm going to go with the book you're looking forward to most. Might be. Amazing Spider-Man number one. You would be correct, Todd. And uh, you have narrowed the gap a little bit here. I did have two correct guesses over you. Let's see if I can close the gap for me. And I think look, the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week. Shocked to see Amazing Spider-Man on your list. But I'm going to go with Superman number one for you. It is Superman number one. There you go. But after the events of the free comic book day... Um, and who, uh, Spider-Man's roommate is? Mm-hmm. I'm very interested in Amazing Spider-Man number one. Right. I didn't need to be excited about a new Spider-Man number one. Uh, you know, I still think Nick Spencer could tell some good comic book stories, but exactly what Todd mentioned, uh, two months ago when the free comic book day teaser of this came out, 
and uh, who they said that Spider-Man is going to be roomies with. Um, I mentioned Superior Foes of Spider-Man before, written by Nick Spencer, and that's all I got to say about that. Right. That's not enough of a clue for you. I don't know what is. Is it uh, Pretzels the Dog? Oh, boy. No, that's the other Nick Spencer book. Oh, okay. That's that's the fix, a.k.a. sweary superior foes. Oh, the uh, that's the scarlet of superior foes of Spider-Man. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. Let's not say things we can't take back, Todd. Okay. So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the stuff that exists over there. Everything that Todd and I have done together in regards to comic books exists <laughs> over at longboxheroes.com, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, past poll posts, the 2017 Smash Sensation, Todd and Joe Have Issues. It all exists over there, as does the store, uh, where you can purchase stickers or shirts or pins with our fancy logo on them at a very nice price. Uh, I don't say that we're uh, <laughs> gouging you like some other folks could do with their merchandise. Or We need to have Todd Bucks, you know, kind of like the Disney <laughs> Bucks. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's more fun. It's just like regular money, but it's more fun. We do not accept Todd Bucks. Uh, well, you do, <laughs> I don't accept Todd Bucks. you got to buy the Joe Bucks. Oh, the, the announcer? No, the not announcer? Him. Baseball announcer? Joe Bucks. That would be fun. We're going to get sued by him now. Hmm. Is he is he the litigious type? I think he is. Oh, good. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> if you don't want a shirt, a sticker, or a pin, you can always support us the more natural way, the more freeing way, and that's buying something through our Amazon click-through. Prime Day is this upcoming Monday. Get all of your Prime purchasing done through our Amazon click-through. Yay! And it'll make me happy. It'll make Jeff Bezos happy. He's the guy who runs Amazon. He's Mr. Amazon. And it'll make me happy to a lesser extent because I'm the one that's got to move all the money around. But anyway, uh, some of the notable purchases through our click-through this past week, Todd, is uh, someone purchased a local mode uh, button-down dress shirt in plaid, slim fit. Oh, it wasn't me. wasn't me neither. <laughs> uh, somebody also purchased, and this is not the first time this has been purchased through a click-through, but it's been a while, uh, and I think the the season two on Netflix of the Glow TV show inspired someone to purchase the very best of Glow, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling Volume 1. I, isn't it all the best of Glow, Joe? Well, Todd, on one hand, <laughs> I would say, you know, you could have bought blank DVDs for cheaper, on the other hand, it's not so much of what happens in between the ropes, Todd. Mm-hmm. It's more so the skits and the interviews and the so-ons and so forth, which is your favorite part of professional wrestling. Uh, the skits on Glow were like two steps below the skits on Hee Haw, just to give I you was, an idea. I was just going to say, Glow is the Hee Haw of wrestling. Oh, that's a little too lofty of a goal, Todd. Let's take two steps back. What was like the <laughs> low-rent version of Hee Haw? And that's what Glow aspired to be with their skits. Mm, big shirtless Ron. <laughs> that was Yahoo. That was a different show. That was the oh, they Yahoo. try to... They want to aspire to be the Yahoo of right. wrestling. Uh, and somebody also purchased the Zero Touch dashboard car mount. 
Uh, I guess it's a hands-free gimmick for those states where you have to be a little bit more secretive when texting uh, on your phone while driving. <laughs> and you you can't touch it. So I, I, they should have MC Hammer promote that. No touches, can't touch this. Dun, 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 dun. See, I'm a marketing genius. I want to see how long you're going to sing that for. That's all I know. That's the only line I know. Oh, okay. Hammer, don't hurt him. That would have been a perfect different song. But hey, uh, thank you everyone who purchased anything through our Amazon click-through. Of course, every little purchase makes us all feel a little bit better. Todd, speaking of purchases, have anything good in the Art Attack this week? Yes, we do. Um, our good buddy DJ sent in a Tom Mandrake Firestorm page that he picked up um, this this past weekend at the Garden State Comic Fest. Um, beautiful page, and it has a great panel about if he can't find happiness on this planet, he's going to throw himself into space, which I think we should all aspire to do someday. Um, also, uh, I throw the, myself into space when I can just throw everyone else into space, Todd. Me, I like to throw space into me. That's what I like to do. Um, Euronymous also sent in, he's the Cal Ripken, like I said, of Art Attack, sent in a uh, Aaron... Alexovich doodle that he had. Um, very small, but very nice. And also, T-Bolt712 sent in a Kevin Maguire Batman Confidential cover with Batgirl. Um, that's a very nice piece. I think I might have actually been there when he bought it. I'm not sure. Um, I think all Maguire art changes hands when I'm around. Mm, I want to say uh, this about uh, T-Bolt712. Mm-hmm. Uh, who may or may not be our good buddy Josh, uh, the more and more of his art that he tweets out, mm-hmm. the more and more I'm going to follow him back to his house and steal that art. Oh, you, uh, Joe, you should see. He's got a sketch. He's got a sketchbook or a couple sketchbooks and some pages. He's he's got some portfolio that are amazing, Joe. And you're, it looks like you're missing one there, Todd. Oh, am I missing one? Yes. Um, the one that is Mayan, it is a Todd Roker, a, an official Todd's art attack, is a Keith Giffen head sketch of Lobo, a character he created. Um, a very beautiful piece that I'm very, very, very happy that I also got at the Garden State uh, Comic Fest this weekend. That, uh, as good as that Kevin Maguire page is, Mm-hmm. That Keith sketch is really, really good. I know, very minimalistic, amazing. Keith does good work. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you listen to After Dark, uh, maybe you might find out how long he's going to be doing that good work for. That's right, and I may have a story or two about him. Right. Uh, so anyone who contributed to the uh, Art Attack, of course, thank you very much. If you're going to a convention this weekend, you recently had a commission done, or you yourself are a burgeoning artists and would like us to share your art with the rest of the world, by all means, send those links over to us, and we'll be happy to do so. Mm-hmm. Now, that ends the main portion of the show. We are going to dive into some spoiler-heavy discussion of both Cloak and Dagger and Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, so, if you didn't see him, you don't want him spoiled, or you don't care, we bid you adieu. We'll catch you all here next week. Thank you very much for listening to episode 406 of Longbox Heroes.
And uh, we'll take a second before we start talking about Cloak and Dagger. All right, so didn't want to leave too much room there. This is an episode where Tandy and Tyrone are both looking to get closer to the connections to their past. Tyrone's brother who was killed, Tandy's father who was killed, both going about it in different ways, both more or less arriving at similar endings, Tyrone's a little bit darker than Tandy's. Mm-hmm. What'd you and, think of the... Oh, sorry. And I was, there's, there's a third plot going on where the cop is... The female cop who helped Tandy earlier out in the season is trying to get close to the Scarface cop who killed uh, Tyrone's brother. So it seems like all three characters are undercover doing, like, you know, sketchy things to, to get you know, what the answers that they want, which I thought was interesting as a setup for the show. Like all three of them, you know, being liars and, and trying different things. Um, I enjoyed this episode. I liked, uh, the Tandy stuff where she goes to meet the, uh, the, uh, the Asian woman who, whose father worked with her father and how she tells Tyrone to, use the thing where you can see other people's fears and use them against it and how she's going to use the hope fit visions that she has with this woman. And she ends up getting close to her without using the, 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 the hope thing. And I, and I really like that because she tried something different. She got, she got close and we got to see more of her character of how like the, the woman says like, why did you go through all this? And, come to me and, and, you know, pretend to be my intern and do all this and lie to me. And, and Tandy says one of the most profound lines to describe a character. Like you immediately understand her character completely when she says, the truth never occurred to me. It just never occurred to me. And I think that's all we need to know about Tandy is, is, is that she is. And, uh, the thing with Tyrone, I think Tyrone's getting a little bit over his head on some of this stuff now, but all around, I, I, I enjoy these episodes and we got to see, uh, there's a, a, a fourth plot, uh, where we see that the girl who's in love with, uh, or who's dating Tyrone, that there's something more going on there with the, uh, with the, uh, the, she's doing the tarot cards to, to figure it all out. They need the pieces. They have half the piece that it's Tyrone is half of this legacy thing. Now they need to find out that Tandy is the other half and maybe they can help. But I enjoyed the episode. Um, I, like I said, I want to see more cloak with dagger, but I guess they have to get, do their separate journeys before they can get together. Right. Good point. I agree. Uh, I'm glad that they're leaning a little bit more heavy now as we're reaching the end of the season about the voodoo stuff uh, with uh, Tyrone's girlfriend, Avita, her aunt. Now, again, this is just hypothetical, throwing it out there. Do you think that they could be doing whatever this show's analog to Brother Voodoo, bringing that into this show? Probably not. stretching too much with this? Probably not, because Brother Voodoo was in Doctor Strange. Okay. Brother Voodoo was the original um, guardian of the house, the Sanctum Sanctorum, who gets killed. 
So he was one of the two brothers, the brother voodoo. One of them is the ghost. And the, the other one is the, 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 the actual person who takes over for him. So I think they're setting up brother voodoo and Dr. Strange. I could see this more of as a Madam Web because everything seems to be intertwined. Mm-hmm. And that would be the way that they would go. Right. Wasn't so, she a mystic character? Uh, yes. But she was more on the Spider-Man side of things, and I don't know where her rights uh, line up. Right. But again, I've been enjoying the show very much. Um, what do we got? Uh, three episodes left, I think? Yep. And now they work some new curses into the show. Okay. We got it. We got an S S word in like you know, often and a lot, and now they worked in an A hole too. So oh, careful! They're up in their game. <laughs> Want to keep that clean tag on the show, Todd? Right. Well, I didn't say the word. All right. Uh, but yeah, check out. Um, you know, I don't. I, I guess you could probably get them all on Hulu still. But uh, Cloak and Dagger continues to be a uh, pleasant surprise. Right. Now the last thing that we're going to discuss is Ant-Man and the Wasp, the sequel to the Ant-Man film. Um, the plot of this essentially is we're going to go into the quantum universe and rescue Janet, played by Michelle Pfeiffer. Catwoman. I think that's how you pronounce it. Janet yeah, I, from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Most, I most pronounce importantly. It, I pronounce it Catwoman. Uh, and of course you've got all of your, so I just have to say my wife didn't get a chance to see Ant-Man. She wanted to see Ant-Man, but we just never got a chance. She never got a chance to see it. I saw it. She didn't. Mm -hmm. She can go pound sand. Right. Uh, I gave her before we went to go see it. I think like the Friday beforehand, I gave her the cliff notes version of what she missed from the previous movie. Mm -hmm. And then the movie began kind of as a cold open, the short, short, short version of what I told her three days prior. Right. So after they showed that, I kind of nudged her. I'm like, that's, that, that's the same thing I said. Right. Uh, but I was looking forward to this movie because I really enjoyed Ant-Man, uh, the original, quite a bit. The original Ant-Man, you know, the old school one. Garrett Morris? <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> was that Superman's funeral? No, that wasn't a funeral. That was that was a party at okay. the house. It was a Saint. I think it was a Saint Patrick around Saint Patrick's. I no, I think it was Lois and and Superman were having Lois and Superman or Lois and Clark Kent were having a party at the house, and they all show up because Dan Aykroyd was the Flash and and whatever, and it was Garrett Morris as the Ant Man. He's like, let me get this straight. You shrink down. To the size of an ant while retaining the strength of a normal human being? Oh, my God, you're scaring me. Every molecule in my body's quivering now. Was that John Belushi the Hulk? This is a Saturday Night Live skit, of course. Yeah, Saturday Night Live skit, John Belushi was the Hulk, and he scared Invisible Woman. If she's going to use the toilet, she should lock the door. <laughs> and then, hey, it doesn't smell like roses when he comes out. Um, I'm trying to remember who else was there. There was a couple other people there. Uh, the funeral was a completely different, that was a later sketch. Okay. That was, that was years later with like Dana Carvey and all that. Okay. But I'm getting them mixed up. But anyway, Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> yeah, we going off on that side road back to Ant-Man oh, and the Wasp. Oh my goodness. So I was looking forward to this movie just because I had a feeling it was going to be a light, uh, fun movie. 
mm-hmm. low stakes, high action, high fun, and that's exactly what I got. I agree. Um, my take on it was I, Ant-Man is one of my favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. It's fun. It's, it's, it's the visuals, like the idea of shrinking down and the stuff you could do with it, um, is funny. I think one of it was they, I like this one, like, I didn't like this one as much as I thought I would. I still liked it a lot because it just seemed like they rehashed a lot of the same jokes. Oh, like, all this action looks really ridiculous when you shrink it down and you look from above. Do you know what I mean? Like there's the scene with the train where it's like, oh, I'm going to be hit by the train. And then they show it in the first movie and they pan back. And it's like the little, you know, little electric train that falls off the track. And you're like, okay, it looks goofy. And they did that a couple of times in this movie. I'm like, okay, I, I, I've seen this before, but I guess you're giving me all the hits, what people liked. Um, I liked like some of the the newer stuff. I liked it that we got uh, Wasp in it, and the answers to like uh, after um, uh, Civil War, what you know how it affected everybody's lives. And one of my favorite things is with his daughter in this. His daughter was great when he's like, "Yeah, this and that," and you know what you need is somebody to back you up. And there's a great moment when he says, "Oh, you mean Wasp?" And she goes. No, I mean me, and she genuinely means it. And he, and he's like, oh, I'd be a terrible parent if I brought you into battle. And that's a touching moment, and I like, it seems almost that Ant-Man is the most, at like, outside the superheroing realm, is the most human of all the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, I can relate to this guy just trying to keep his family together, even though he's a criminal, I'm not a criminal. But, like, of all the other movies, you're like, all right, you're a guy who got frozen in, in time. You're somebody who turns into a monster and is a super scientist. You're rich and a genius. I can't, I can't, you know, relate to any of this. But Ant-Man, I actually can relate to a lot of the stuff that he does. I'm just trying to pay my bills. I'm, he's the spider, he's the Spider-Man of the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now. Even though there is one. You, you know what? You're not wrong. Uh, he's like comic book Spider-Man, as opposed like current day comic book Spider-Man, as opposed to Spider-Man who is the '60s comic book Spider-Man. Spider-Man, right? The Ditko Spider-Man. There you go. Um, but I really like this a lot, as you mentioned, all the great scenes with whether it be you know I I think I thought Paul Rudd was great in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, his interactions with all the different people, whether it be his stuff with Evangeline Lilly, his stuff with. Michael Douglas, uh, his stuff with his two cronies, like his three cronies that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, Baba Yaga. Paul Rudd is the, as you mentioned, he's kind of like the everyman, the most relatable, and with all these discussions of all the money that they're given to Downey Jr. and Chris Evans wants to go off and do other things, I'm Marvel, I'm going to tie Paul Rudd up for as many of these movies as I can. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but so essentially, previous movie Ant Man's trapped in the quantum zone or the quantum whatever, right? Uh, so they're going to attempt to do that and go save Janet in this, but they don't have any of the old tech. Uh, Hank Pym has made a whole bunch of new tech. Need the old tech. Luckily, Ant Man lied. He didn't really destroy the suit. He kept it. So there's a bunch of shenanigans with him having to go to that. The suit he has keeps malfunctioning. He grows too big. He grows too small. He gets <laughs> stuck. And hilarity ensues, right? So mm-hmm. 
while that's going on, uh, Hope and Hank are dealing with this sleazy dude, Sonny Birch, who is fantastic. Again, I don't know who the, the actor Walter Goggins, who plays him. He was on Justice. He's a good actor. I like him. Right. He was really good in this. Uh, very scene-chewing-y. Uh, he felt to me like, uh, what's-his-face who was in Iron Man 2? Not Mickey Rourke. I know who you mean. He was in, like, the Charlie's Angels movies. He always dances and everything that he does. Um, I can't think of his name. Um, I can't think of his name right now either, but I think how Goggins was in this is how he should have been in that. Right. As that helps anyone. I I know what you're saying. Um, The things that I really liked about the movie were... Uh, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell, I was looking that up as we were talking. Um, the things that I like in this movie is that they kind of busted from a, like, a little bit of the formula to me. Like, they were setting up that they were going to find, uh, Janet's character. But it seemed like all the time they were making it look like Michael Douglas was going to die. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, we'll get, in the in the finding Janet, we're going to lose Michael, and you would keep the same dynamic as they always say in, in comics, the illusion of change. You would lose the male old uh, older uh, genius, he would die, and you would bring in the the older female genius, and the dynamic doesn't change. You know what I mean? Um, but they didn't. I really like. I really was worried that they were going to kill Michael Douglas because he was having the the heart. Uh, it seemed like he was having heart problems. I know it was a ruse at one time, but as he was shrinking down in the microverse, it looked like it was affecting him. So the, I'm glad nobody like died in this movie. Um, the second thing that I liked is that the ghost, actually the the, the 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 villain of the movie, the ghost, is you feel bad for her, and in the end they actually help her, and she may be rehabilitated. Um, though she does that smirk at the end that I'm not quite sure, but I like that that it's not you know the villain dies or it's, it's, it's all wrapped up. It's like, no, we're going to try and not beat the villain. We're going to try and help the villain. And it kind of works. So I thought that was, that was really, really, really cool. And the last thing that I just want to say is as long as they do these Ant-Man movies, they need to do a Luis retelling a story once a movie, at least I would do it three, but I'm greedy. Um, him doing his thing cracks me up every time. And Rudd looking so happy reading Lewis's lines is one of the best things I've seen all year. I felt so bad because my wife had to get up to use the restroom during that scene. Oh, And she had no expectations of it because she didn't see it in the previous movie. Right. So she didn't know what she missed, and I didn't mm-hmm. tell her what she missed. It's better that way. I yes. honestly think that, it's better. That's exactly better what way. I thought. I'm like, I don't want to tell her that she met, she missed a callback the... to one of the funniest scenes from the previous movie, and it was just as funny as the previous one. She, so she never saw any of Lewis's nope. things. Like, oh my god, you know what? Just let her go through life. I think she'll be disappointed if you if you tell her. Right. Uh, but again, it's it's useless to rank these movies because I think they're still all really good. Um, I like this a lot. I would revisit this. And, of course, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, um, we are in spoiler discussion. You don't have to say till the end credits, the mid-credit sequences, that's the, that's the gut punch one. That's the, that's the meat one. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you, you kind of were sort of waiting for it to happen at some point, and then when it happens, you still weren't ready for it. And it's the worst possible time. Yes. Oh, Todd, is there ever really a good time to turn into dust? Oh, it depends on what kind of dust, Joe. Is Spectrox a kind of dust? I think it is a dust. Then that kind of dust. Gold dust. (sighs) Anyway, Ant-Man, highly recommended. And I think that's like the end of the summer, at least for superhero stuff, right? I don't know. There's usually three Marvel movies. Is there a third one? No, the I, I think we might have talked about this last week, or I talked about it with someone else. Um, the next Marvel, even thematically related, coming out is uh, Venom in October. And then <laughs> December is the Spider-Man animated, and then there's nothing until March with uh, Captain Marvel. And not even uh, Teen Titans Go? Uh, t- uh, yeah, Teen Titans Go. I forgot about Teen Titans Go, but that's kind of like its own thing. Okay. And I think Aquaman comes out sometime, maybe November, but uh, you, come on, Todd, you know I'm talking about the Marvel stuff. All right, I, see, sometimes you gotta, you know, be specific. The the real stuff, come on. Oh, you're killing me. Like I said, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, Teen Titans Go is its own thing. It's fun, it's light, I'm looking forward to it. Jonah Hex is in it, so I have to see it. Everybody's in it. Jonah Hex, he got his own movie, remember? Aquaman's actually uh, Christmas weekend. Oh, we should go for Christmas. Mm-hmm. It comes you want- out... The, uh, Christmas uh, this year is Aquaman, uh, the Mary Poppins reboot. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not hipped up for younger folks, but she should be. Oh. Uh, speaking of hipped up for younger folks is the... Sherlock Holmes and Watson uh, comedic reboot with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. That's going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, also that same weekend is Bumblebee, the Transformers prequel starring John Cena. I thought it was Bumblebee Man. I was going to go see that. I but would go see that. I would go see. I would go see that movie. All right. So is there anything else we need to discuss? No, I think we did pretty good. I'd say we did all right. When I listen uh, back, Todd, I'll let you know if we did good. All right. On I'll that Venn back. diagram. All right, everyone. For Todd, this is Joe closing on episode 406 of Longbox Heroes. Say thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain.